Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. I'm reading out the New American Standard Bible. So I sang so loud that I need to talk. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So what has happened before this time? Well, Paul and Barnabas were leaders in the church in Antioch. Here. So here's the church in Jerusalem, down south. This church here in Jerusalem is entirely made up of Jewish believers. So there is no one in this church who believes in Jesus who is not also following the law of Moses. Okay? <clears throat> then, all the way up north here, we have Antioch. And this is where Paul and Barnabas and some other leaders that we talked about, I believe in Acts 13, have this very diverse group of Jewish believers, Gentile believers, uh, Jewish believers who are also Roman citizens, uh, Jewish believers, one of whom uh, grew up with Herod, the same Herod who crucified Jesus. And out of that church, Paul and Barnabas are sent to share the gospel outside of this region, which has never yet been done. And Paul and Barnabas, they lay their hands on them, they pray for them, and they first cross through the island of Cyprus, which is Barnabas's home area. He's from the island of Cyprus. Then they go up to Perga and Sidian, Antioch, and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe, and all of this is Southern Galatia. And if that sounds familiar, it's because these are the churches in Galatians, the letter that Paul will write when he's in prison to the believers here, the churches that he and Barnabas kind of planted or started in this area. So they have come home. They've done this whole journey. They've come home. People from Jerusalem have come up and said, you know what? You all need to be following the law of Moses. You need to be circumcised and you need to become Jewish if you're going to follow Jesus. So leaders from Antioch come down to Jerusalem and there's a council. And what is decided is that you do not need to become Jewish. You do not need to be circumcised. But what you need to do is not practice idolatry. You need to follow God's way of observing a sexual relationship. So all of that now needs to come under God's umbrella. And you need to not eat things that make it impossible for Jewish believers to eat with you in your house because the two groups need to have fellowship and not be divided. That's what they say. So then Barnabas, Saul, and two leaders from Jerusalem come back up here and tell the churches this good news that these are the things that are essential and everything else is up to your conscience up to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is where we are in this passage. Okay? So, after some days, I wish they'd be more specific, but after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and let's visit the brothers and sisters in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So, Paul is saying, it's been a while since we went on this journey. Let's circle back and let's check on all of them. 
So Paul wants to go back to the believers in Cyprus, Sidian, Antioch, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and see how they're doing. No doubt that this would include like encouraging them and teaching them, right? So continuing to help them in the way. Probably also would include some gentle correction, like the, like the correction we see in Paul's letters, right? Where he's saying, remember, don't forget that you were saved by grace. So don't go back to works again. But, right, And remember that you're not supposed to be worshiping any angels. You're not supposed to be obsessed with numerology, just like Jesus crucified, risen, right? It seems like the more mature Paul gets, the, the simpler the message gets, right? And as someone who uh, shared the, got to share the gospel with someone last week who has no church background, I can tell you simply sharing the gospel with someone is an incredible challenge. Just like bare bones. What are we talking about, right? You should practice with a friend because I'm telling you it's tougher than you think. So, um, uh, it would also be to, you know, update all these churches on what the Jerusalem Council had said, right? So saying these are the things that the church agrees are essential. And if anyone comes after us saying, no, you have to be Jewish or no, you have to be circumcised, you can tell them, no, we already heard the news from Jerusalem. We are free, right? We are saved by grace. The Holy Spirit came on us just as it came on the Jewish believers. And as long as we are following these essentials that the Jerusalem church said, we are as much a part of the faith as any Jewish believer, right? So that would be an important message to give them. So <clears throat> it says in verse 37, here's the juicy part. Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark. We refer to him as John Mark or Mark along with them also. So remember that John Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. So Mark's mother's house is in Jerusalem. And when Peter is miraculously freed from prison, he runs to the house of John Mark's mother, where all of the Jerusalem believers are praying and interceding for him, that he would be released. So, uh, Mark's mother house is, is kind of like where the believers in Jerusalem would have gathered. John Mark was not a new believer, nor was he unfamiliar with the things of the faith, okay? His mother was a leader in the faith. Her house hosted the Jerusalem church, at least for this kind of informal prayer gathering. His cousin was Barnabas, this leader, evangelist, apostle, and he had seen great miracles with his own eyes. So I think of John Mark as kind of this kid who, who's probably at least a little bit younger than Barnabas, probably more like Barnabas was his uncle than his cousin. And he's grown up in this house where his mother is a believer. They have church gatherings at their house all the time. He's seen people interceding powerfully. He's heard Peter, who's supposed to be locked in a jail cell under guard, knocking on his door saying, it's me, let me in. And everyone who's praying for him to be released being like, that couldn't have happened. That can't be Peter, right? He has seen huge miracles, this guy, John Mark. So Barnabas says, let's take John Mark with us on this journey, okay? 
But Paul was of the opinion that they should, whoopsie poopsie, not take along with them this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So I have to jog your memory a little bit because this is kind of a throwaway verse. I shouldn't say that about any verse in the Bible, but it's, it's said in passing chapters before. Remember that after Barnabas and Paul had taken John Mark with them on this first missionary journey. So the first time when uh, Barnabas and Paul are prayed out of Antioch and go to Cyprus, who's with them? John Mark, this guy, it says, as their helper, okay? So they had taken John Mark with them on this missionary journey that they had started from Antioch the first time, the first time they took this journey. They first shared the good news throughout the island of Cyprus, and John Mark was with them the whole time that they were basically traversing this island till they got down to its capital. And when they got down to its capital, the proconsul there accepted Christ. Okay, he saw miracles and he accepted Jesus. It's in Acts 13, by the way, Acts 13, 5. And John came as their helper. So his presence meant that he acted, John Mark was in some kind of supportive position to the evangelistic and missionary work that Barnabas and Saul were carrying out. Okay, so he goes with his uncle, cousin, whatever, and this guy, Paul, and is like, I will help you on your missionary journey, right? So... In Acts 13, after the proconsul down there on the south of Cyprus accepts Jesus, Paul and Barnabas are like, let's go to southern Galatia. And they get on a boat. And do you know who is not on that boat? John Mark. We don't know why. We do not know why John Mark left. In Acts 13, it says, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So for whatever reason, John was like, I've had a great time, not going to continue with you. I'm going back home to my mama's house. I don't know. I'm going back home. But we kind of can understand what happened because Luke says, they should not take along with them this man who had deserted them. In Pamphylia. So we kind of we kind of take this like understanding of it wasn't just like I only committed to be with you in Cyprus, right? It was like, no, John Mark deserted them. Whatever kind of stalwart or courageous oomph in them, the Holy Spirit, allowed Paul and Barnabas to keep going, John Mark decided not to. And Paul saw that as desertion. Not like, your season with us is over. He saw it as desertion. But Barnabas, right, wanted to take John Mark with them again. We don't know the reasons why he went home that first time, but again, it's clear, not on the best of terms, because Luke uses the term deserted to describe what John Mark had done to Paul and Barnabas. We can understand from this that it's likely John Mark just didn't have the stomach to continue. And desertion is a strong term, especially for Luke, because Luke likes to keep things clinical. He does not editorialize on what has happened. He kind of sticks to the facts. So that 
uh, Luke is using the terms he's using in this passage mean that that is most decidedly what happened, uh, and that was maybe agreed upon by both Paul and Barnabas. John Mark deserted us, right? Um, it says in verse 39, now it turned into such a sharp disagreement. So again, that is Luke's clinical version of what happened. So still pretty strong, right? It turned into such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. So Barnabas and Paul, these great leaders who have been together through so much, years of missionary work, miracles, revival, tough times, and big wins, had a sharp disagreement over what to do with this punk, John Mark. (laughs) Now, Barnabas, remember, is not his real name. Barnabas is a nickname that means son of encouragement. So Barnabas seems to believe that John Mark's previous desertion, probably three to five years ago, okay, before this time, is not a permanent stain on his record, or that he deserves a second chance, or that he had reasons for leaving them when he did. Okay, remember, he's also Barnabas's sister or cousin's kid. Paul is not so forgiving. He seems to believe that John Mark's desertion has to do with a lack of character, and perhaps believes that the same will just happen again, and refuses to take John Mark along with them. So Barnabas and Paul split breaks my heart. They split over this kid cousin of Barnabas. I don't know that he was a kid. He was just younger than Barnabas. And Barnabas takes John Mark with him back to his home country of Cyprus to encourage the believers there. Remember that in Cyprus, Luke had referred to the team as Barnabas and Saul or Paul. But once they get to Southern Galatia, that he refers to them as Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and the others. So we can take that to mean that Barnabas was kind of the head person or the main speaker in Cyprus, which makes sense because that's his home island. He would know people, he would have connections, he would understand the culture well. And that's where Barnabas took the lead. And then once they move into Southern Galatia, Paul seems to take the lead. So Barnabas says, if you don't want John Mark to come with us, that's fine. I am taking this kid and we'll go to Cyprus. So though Barnabas is a son of encouragement, that doesn't mean he's a doormat or a pushover, right? He doesn't just say like, okay, Paul, we'll do what you want. No, he's like, fine, I'll take him. I'll take him to Cyprus and we'll check on the believers there. So that's what he does. But Paul chose Silas and left after being entrusted by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So Paul, however, decides to take Silas with him. And if you remember, Silas had been sent from the Jerusalem church up to the Antioch church to tell them you don't need to be circumcised and you don't need to follow the law of Moses. So Silas was one of those ambassadors from Jerusalem saying, you are part of the faith just as we are. So Paul obviously loves this guy Silas and is like, you'll come with me to check on these churches in Southern Galatia. Now, This would have strengthened Paul's message of freedom for the Gentile believers 
to have a leader of the Jerusalem church there with him. Because now it's not just Paul who comes from a very diverse church saying, it's okay, you don't have to be Jewish. But a Jewish man from the Jerusalem Jewish church is is coming with Paul and saying the same thing. So you see, this kind of strengthens their case to say, this is how we're going forward as a church. You do not have to be Jewish to believe in Jesus. And it says, and Paul was traveling through Syria and Cilicia. So he's traveling through this region right now, and he's sharing that good news from Jerusalem with all of these Gentile believers, all of this whole area that is not Jewish in thinking, in culture, in belief, in background, and doing so with Silas by his side. So what we see here are two leaders with different ideas about the best way forward. Paul seems more strict. His corners are sharper. He is more black and white, and that is consistent in Paul's personality from the moment we see him persecuting Christians to the last bit of his last letter before he is uh, martyred. He just seems to be a more black and white person. If you deserted us once, you will again, seems to be his attitude. And you've showed me I can't trust you. Our work is too important to have someone wishy-washy around. That seems to be Paul's uh, um, ethos, his way of thinking. We need to be uh, fast and sharp and firing on all cylinders. Right? And that is one way to think through how you go forward as a leader in ministry, with people, with the gospel, right? Barnabas has more rounded corners. He's not so sharp. His nickname is Son of Encouragement. He sees the best in Mark, he sees his potential, and I think he's willing to be burned in order to give John Mark a chance, right? It very well may be that John Mark deserts them again. Barnabas can't control what John Mark does. But he also has a familial attachment to Mark, which Paul does not. So he's just softer toward him. He's willing to take a chance. And Paul's like, I'm not willing to take a chance. What we're doing is too important. So who is right? Luke refuses to say. And this is where we can really trust Luke as this impartial author, because again, he doesn't share his opinion on who did right and who did wrong. He just shares what happened, right? So Luke refuses to say who is right, and this seems important. So let's look at the rest of the story. Colossians 4.10, Paul is writing to the the churches in Colossae, and he is in prison. He says in Colossians 4, uh, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Amen. So either Mark is in prison with Paul at this time, or he's around him 
while Paul's in prison at this time. And they're close enough that Paul is saying he sends you his greetings. If he comes to you, welcome him. Like, why didn't you welcome him, Paul? No, that's fine. <laughs> Second Timothy 4. Make every effort to come to me soon. So, he's talk, so Paul's talking to Timothy, his son in the faith. Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take along Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Amen. So Paul is saying to his son in the faith, Timothy, Everyone has deserted me except for Luke. When you come and visit me, please bring John Mark with you because I need him. In Philemon 1, there's only one chapter in Philemon. Uh, in Philemon, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So again, Mark is right there alongside him, his fellow worker. And then 1 Peter 5, it says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends your greetings. That's the Roman church. Okay, that's Babylon's referred to as like the Roman church. And so does my son, Mark. Paul refers to Mark as his son. We see from these prison letters of Paul, obviously written after this time in Acts, after he's shared the gospel many more places and now has been put in prison in Rome because he's sharing the gospel, that Paul did change his opinion of Mark and that Mark has shown himself faithful in these journeys with Barnabas, becoming indispensable to Paul and the work of the gospel becoming someone that Paul would refer to as son, becoming mature in his commitment and faithfulness and being someone that Paul depended on who didn't desert him even when Paul was in prison and others had deserted Paul. So was Paul wrong? Was Barnabas right? What does this tell us about leadership? These are my three points. To do with as you will. <laughs> um, we've all been Paul. This person hurt me. They can't be trusted. I'm not risking it again. I'm too busy to develop this person. I need someone who can do the job now. Amen? Yeah. Tasia, I know you know this. <laughs> Tasia's managing a Starbucks. <laughs> I, I do not have the time to teach you how you should be. I need someone who can be how they should be now. Yeah. And you know what? Silas was a perfect partner for Paul in his mission to reassure the Gentile believers. And fruit came out of his journey with Silas. Fruit came out of his ministry and God was faithful. So was Paul wrong? I don't know if Paul was wrong, but there was fruit in his journey and Silas was a great person to have with him, possibly a better person to have with him than Barnabas and John Mark. So it's almost like God took care of things <laughs> or all things work together for good. 
Okay, so we've all been Paul, right? It, I've been Paul every time Joe asked to help me cook, and I'm like, dear God, no, I just need to make some pancakes. <laughs> have we not all been that person? I do not have time to teach you how to cook right now, okay? We've all been Barnabas, I hope. Seeing someone's potential, believing in them and giving them a second chance, hoping that they'll grow, right? Knowing that if they can just choose the right thing, they are poised for so much growth, so much potential. Believing in someone before they believe in themselves and often when we really shouldn't believe in them. I, I mean, my Barnabas was Tanya Naki. okay? She is a pastor in Bakersfield, California. And, and my first year as an 18-year-old intern at Northwest Church was rough. One time, drama team was over, which I was leading, and I was like, I got to go. And all the kids were still standing around waiting for their parents. And I was like, bye. And like didn't think I should wait for all the kids to be picked up before I, their leader, left. Yeah, someone called my parents' home answering machine and complained to them about the fact that I had left before all of the kids. Um, I had my rebellious stage during that internship year, and I was like, Tanya, I honestly don't even know if I believe in God right now. And she's like, you know what, that's okay. Just come to the intern meetings, you don't have to say anything. Just like keep, just keep being around. That's fine. And then found out in private, she was telling the other pastors, like, we have to fast and pray for Eleanor. There's a war for her soul right now. But to me, she was like, that's fine. God is bigger than your questions. Ask him all the questions you want. She stayed very calm. There were many mess ups. There were many times I snapped at kids or got in trouble with their parents. And I think they probably should have like kicked me out or told me I couldn't lead anymore. But Tom and Tanya kept believing in me, kept coaching me, and without them, I, I wouldn't have even gotten into ministry or thought that that was somewhere I would be. I'd be like a businesswoman somewhere, you know? Because I had a Barnabas who saw in me more than what I was presenting at the time. And you know what? Barnabas was right. John Mark did mature. He did become a faithful servant. He became an indispensable piece of the gospel going out in the first century. He was that support person for Paul and for many leaders of the faith. And Barnabas was right. Could have easily gone a different way, and he could have been real wrong, and he could have been deserted again, but he was willing to take that chance because he saw something in John Mark. Or he felt guilty, and John Mark's mother was like, you have to get him out of the house. You have to take him with you. For all we know, that's what it was. I don't know. It worked out. <laughs> and we've all been John Mark. We've all let people down. We've all given up too early or gotten scared and ran from our calling, from relationships, from growth. We've all run home when we should have gotten on the boat for a new adventure. Amen. That's like, that's an old story, right? That is Jonah being called to Nineveh and he is like, peace, I'm going the opposite direction. 
It's a tale as old as time. We can all grow. We can all say yes now to what we've said no to before. From our, uh, we can become a more faithful person. We can be given a second chance. We can be a blessing where we let someone down. And, you know, I'm reading this book that Paul recommended to me called A Failure of Nerve. Uh, very interesting, very hard to read, really hard to read at night. It's like a textbook. I would, you should listen to it. Don't read it. Anyway, um, in it, he talks about treadmill thinking. Uh, this man was a rabbi for many years, and he said, in treadmill thinking, the idea is if I just worked harder or tried harder, I would get further, or the same things that tripped me up before would not trip me up. He said, this is very faulty thinking, yeah. because I have seen, he says, in all of his research and all of his years of kind of developing leaders, it's not a lack of effort it's that you actually have to get off the treadmill and work on yourself before you can just run harder in the same direction. And I think oftentimes when we mess up or when we don't say yes, our reaction is, well, next time I'll try harder, next time I'll feel bolder, next time I'll decide to have more courage, or I'll decide not to fight with my spouse, or I'll decide to be a nicer mom, Instead of thinking, there is something in me that's broken that I need to have healed. Not something that needs to be tried harder at with my own effort. Amen. We can all grow and say yes, be given a second chance. We can go forward from our past without pulling that shame or mistake as a ball and chain around with us. But I think it takes a Barnabas person sometimes to give us that next chance. Sometimes it takes us being the Barnabas person to grow and move on. And sometimes we're Paul, and that's fine, and the Lord uses that too. I think one of the things I'm kind of learning more and more as I get older I know that term being relative, um, <laughs> is that when I was younger, I was like, this is the right way to do ministry. This is the right way to do A, B, or C. This is the right way to be a parent. This is the right way to be a family. All the answers were easy. And as I get older, I'm just realizing there are so many ways for God to move in our lives. There are so many ways to say yes to him. There are so many ways to be a healthy family or to have a healthy marriage or to be a healthy parent. In Pride and Prejudice, Mom, you'll be so proud of me for quoting this. Girl is so mad that her best friend has married this dorky guy who she does not love, is not like wonderful, she doesn't have stars in her eyes, and she's so mad at her friend, like, how could you marry someone you don't respect and you don't love? That's so silly. But her friend didn't want that. She just wanted a stable guy who would take care of her. And she is so angry about it and so upset watching her friend marry this guy. And her sister says to her, yes, Lizzie, but not everyone is the same. 
And what she's telling her is, <laughs> you don't get to kind of, you need to open up your idea of the way things should be. Because God seems to work through a myriad of people and situations that are not singular, they are diverse. They are diverse in personality and belief and background and culture. There are big churches and little churches and home groups and church plants and evangelists and it's all somehow being used by God for his kingdom through very flawed, fragile people. We've all been Paul. We've all been Barnabas. We've all been John Mark. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, how honest it is, how things don't wrap up in a pretty bow, that it is messy and it is real, some of it's ambiguous, where there are not clear answers. And God, I thank you that you offer us these stories and these pictures back on the church because you want us to depend on you and not a system of mathematics. You want us to hear your voice. You want us to be prompted by the Holy Spirit and you want us to see that you make a way even when we are not perfect we don't get it right the first time, when our judgment is clouded, Lord, you still work and move through us. And so I pray now, Lord, for the encouragement of your spirit. Lord, that we can say yes to you now. We can get off the treadmill of trying harder and ask you to heal us. We can ask you for a second chance. And we can know, Lord, that you will send people who believe in us. And so, Lord, I just pray for us right now, God, for our hearts, Lord, to know that we are held in your perfect love and in your grace, that there's nothing we could do today to make you love us more. We are perfectly loved in this moment. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace through Jesus Christ our Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.